Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. Tell me what's on your mind by sending it please in writing to idea at wretched.org or if you feel like chatting and using your vocal cords one 282 beep whether it's a question comment conundrum snark story article sermon would love it if you'd send it to idea at wretched.org all right we start with alex who uh, who says todd um Over many years of my life, I found myself in a reoccurring pattern of habitual sexual sin. I was recently given a book called Finally Free by Heath Lambert. This book tells about the importance of having godly sorrow and not worldly sorrow. I've continually asked the Lord for godly sorrow, but I don't believe that I've had it. Is there something I must do to cooperate in having godly sorrow? (sighs) That you can cooperate with? Well, yeah, you need to see what you're doing the way God sees it. You need to get in alignment with how he views your activities. I'm working on a book right now. I'm doing a rewrite on slaying the lust dragon. And 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 it starts out with a bit of a kidney punch. The, the book really is intended to pull men up. It's titled Play the Man. Play the man. Just act man up and and be godly. That's the call. That's the challenge. But it starts with going down low. You need to see what you're doing the way God sees it. Furthermore, you need to do an examination and you need help with this because sin is so deceptive. It has lied to you for so long about your sexual sin. You do not know how deformed you have become. You cannot diagnose yourself. You can't see it. You probably need help realizing this. So how do you do that? Well, you start examining what it is that you're actually doing. Now, this is good. This is going to be a bit of a smack. Because if you're not feeling godly sorrow, there's a really good chance it's because you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what's being done to you. What would you say about a man who waits for the sun to set? For the street lights to go out, and he puts on a raincoat, tiptoes next door with a footstool so he can jump up on it and peek into the windows of his neighbors because he knows that they're being intimate. What do you say about that guy? You'd go, he's a creep. Yep. You maybe don't put on a raincoat. You don't have to go next door anymore. You open your computer, but you are doing the same creepy thing. You are. You say, well, that's harsh. 
well, okay, it's harsh, but it's reality. We've been talking about the sex trafficking issue because of that movie, uh, Something About Freedom. Stand for Freedom, Go Get Freedom or something like that. Yeah, and uh, if you wouldn't have asked me, it would have been on the tip of my tongue. All right, well, do do what tip of the tonguers always do. Google. Exactly. Stand, stand, free, stand freedom firmly for, for the freedom of the people to be liberated movie. It's a, it's a big deal, and it's an awful form of commerce. Trafficking of human beings to be sexually abused by some creeper? Did you know that you're participating in the sex trafficking business? Did you know that? What's the name of the movie, Jimmy? Uh, Sound of Freedom. That's what I that's yeah. what I said. Sound of freedom. You're a part of it. You're a sex trafficker. You say, whoa, 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 I'm not doing that. Well, you know those women that you're looking at in those movies? Most of them are coerced. Did you know that? You're not you're no different. If you're not experiencing godly sorrow anymore because of your porn or whatever your sexual escapades are, you need to get downwind from yourself. And that's not, however, where it stops. But until you go low, you're, you're not going to look up to see a savior who took on your filth that you could be set free. He was willing to come and die for you, a pornographer, a creeper, a sex trafficker. He, he became that for you. But you won't appreciate it until you realize how low you have sunk. So take the time to get downwind from yourself and you, you become dull to it. Your conscience will just get duller and duller and duller. And the only rescue is keep calling out to God and say, please make my conscience alive. Help me to see sin the way that you do. And when you start to come to the end of yourself, don't fall into despair. Look up to the Savior who loves you anyway, who died to prove it, and who is willing to forgive. And that is what should generate godly sorrow. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is an interesting question comes coming from Chris. says, hi, Todd. Um, should our pastor apologize and repent for endorsing teachers who have later been exposed for being heretical or immoral? Well, got to be careful there because there, there's been some good teachers we've quoted here. And then it's like, wait, what they did, huh? It, it happens. So you got to get a timestamp on that. And further, and second, I would say this. Let's just say that your pastor uh, gives an endorsement to somebody that you know has fallen. Does your pastor know? Does your pastor know about their wonky theology as well as their good? Don't assume he does and he's giving them a pass or that he embraces their heresy. It is always good if indeed you're concerned to respectfully go to the man and ask questions, not with your conclusion in mind. Hey, Pastor, I'm curious. Um, you quoted Joyce Meyer. Uh, are you aware of everything that she teaches? No, I just heard this one quote and I just, who's Joyce Meyer? All right. Well, isn't that better than going, what's the big deal with the endorsement of Joyce Meyer? By the way, Joyce Meyer, happy, and I mean this, 
Happy to report is doing better. She's had a lot of maladies lately, but it does appear that she is feeling a whole lot better, courtesy of uh, medicine. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you right now. I, as you know, I've had uh, some downtime because of a fall that I took, a broken ankle and a back surgery that developed a blood clot and caused problems in the other leg. And I've actually been uh, in a wheelchair for the last month. But today I got some really good news. I went to the orthopedic doctor. Hold it. Orthopedic doctor. I didn't think she believed That's in those. That's not what you used to preach. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about um, sickness and healing. Um, <laughs> Woo. You know, sadly, a lot of times people are not taught that healing of all kinds is part of the atonement. Well, then, physician, atone your own healing. Now, she is actually partially right. Your ultimate cure from your physical maladies has been purchased by the redemptive work of Jesus Christ when he overcame everything. That is true, but not yet, not now. It is a then promise. Joyce would say, no, no, now. And if you speak positive things, if you're using your words correctly, then God will heal you. Hmm. I'm glad the medical professionals are able to do what her faith can't. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Our next question comes from Armin, who says, Todd, what does the Bible say specifically about having a condescending attitude? And how should we respond to people, whether they're Christian or not, who have those attitudes toward us? Jimmy, if you don't mind, I am going to have to go to YouTube uh -huh. to see examples of this condescending attitude thing, because you would no never. Yeah, <laughs> we all have it, even if it doesn't come out of our mouths. We all love ourselves first and foremost. There is no person you and I love more than ourselves. That's that's. That's why Jesus made us the high watermark for love. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. And so we all have a tendency to be condescending. So if you happen to have that malady like all of us do, we need to first of all be aware of it. Second of all, we need to do the same thing we always do with a sin. Realize how much God really doesn't like pride-filled words because it's part of it is murder of the heart because... Clearly, I'm having to explain this to you, which means I'm smarter. You're stupid. So I just rock on you. God hates that. And we need to recognize that it is pride. It is idolatry. And what's the solution as always? See it as exceedingly sinful. Remember the Savior who the only way that he condescended was he came down from heaven to save really condescending sinners. This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, 
we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. Now, look, I know you love our resources and all of the good stuff we have at wretched.org. I do, too. But let me ask you another question. Have you considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Because when you do that, you can help us reach millions all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And hey, look, it's tax deductible. You can't beat that. It's like those combos. You remember those combos, those pizza pretzel things? Uh, yeah, I'm probably the only one. But anyway, here's one promise that I can make to you. You never have to worry about the money you donate to Wretched because look, we're not just making quality reductions around here. We're also stewarding God's money as if eternity depended on it. And we do it all with a very high view of scripture. We don't mess around with any of that unbiblical stuff around here. So join us, become a Wretched Gospel partner and help us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. God told Hosea the prophet to marry a prostitute to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness to God and God's faithful love for Israel. When Hosea's wife returned to prostitution and was enslaved, he bought her back and loved her. When you are mistreated and abandoned, remember that is how you treated God. But if you turn to God, He will forgive you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And you thought we'd reach the bottom of the barrel, silly rabbit. This is Wretched Radio, hoping you'll send even articles that are as grievous as this one to idea at wretched.org. Headline CDC advises biological men, biological men, on chest feeding their babies. What? You didn't think it could get any wackier. Apparently, we've got medicine now, some pills that can actually cause a male, a genuine biological male, to lactate. And so uh, they can participate in the chest feeding of their child. They take that medicine so that they can do that. Hey, 
How much more twisted can we get? The answer is, I suspect, even more twisted from the article. An individual does not need to have given birth to breastfeed or chest feed, according to the CCC. Some families may have other preferred terminology for how they feed their babies, such as nursing, chest feeding, or body feeding. What a twist. How much more grotesque and abusive for all parties involved can this become? From a fellow at the Heritage Foundation, quote, the agency seems to be endorsing males chest feeding infants with the help of experimental drug cocktails now proves the CDC has been captured by an ideology. Well, I think that that was already established about a year or two ago. Nevertheless, captured by an ideology that puts the fetishes of disturbed men over the well-being of infants. It doesn't even pretend these arguments have been carefully tested. Its commitment to so-called health equity overrides old-timey concerns about, you know, the effects of untested drugs and weird discharges from male bodies on defenseless infants. U.S. Senator, who also was an obstetrician for 25 years, delivering 5,000 babies, said that the CDC is irresponsible and they define science and safety. No, they trust the science. We're the Neanderthalic idiots. Even stories like that. Welcome at ideaandwretched.org. You know, I can think of a lot of things the money they used to research that could have went to. (laughs) I was going to make a COVID joke. (laughs) But I've learned that no matter what what the joke is, it's probably going to offend somebody. It's probably so. So let's not. All right. Well, let's move on. This is from Anonymous, uh, who says, Todd, many churches hold weekly small group Bible studies and then often see the format used of a leader posing questions about Scripture and its application, inviting responses from the group. The leader often refrains from offering instruction and simply facilitates the discussion. While some see this as an opportunity to be good Bereans, I'm not convinced it's biblical. I lean toward a structure where teachers instruct, potentially nurturing others to become teachers. Yeah, I do too, because you have to be qualified to teach. And the assumption is that people in the class need the learning and you've already done the work to study the subject and know the answer to the questions. Having said that, can I imagine an individual with a particular skill set where he can guide a classroom into speaking out and then taking their answers and molding it into correct teaching? Yeah, it, it, can, it can happen. I think it loses a bit of authority, honestly. I, I, I think it, it loses an element of this is, this is what I know to be true and I'm sharing it with you. Then opening it up, got questions, got comments, conundrums, snarks, then send them to idea at wretched.org. It's not my favorite form of teaching, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it sinful unless it crosses the line into, so what does that verse say to you? How do you think that you should respond to knowing that Jesus just loves you so much? Okay, uh, that would be a line. <laughs> where where every man becomes a hermeneutic unto himself. Send whatever to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Sam. Who's By the a- way, speaking of hermeneutics, uh-huh. this is this is what I'm thinking. This isn't this isn't confirmed. But as you perhaps know, 
Not that you care. But as you perhaps know, we have been doing some ongoing meetings this summer for a new expository Bible teaching church in the northern suburbs of Atlanta. Going to start Bible studies in September. Hmm. And I'm actually going, oh, this hurts. Oh, because I think I learned it from Tom Hammond. If if you want to get a, get get away from a lot of church squabbles over what does this verse say to me, you have to have a shared hermeneutic. So I think we're going to do a, about a, well, I don't know how many weeks. It'll be somewhere between six and 12 weeks on biblical hermeneutics, the art and science of interpreting scripture, so that a church shares the same scissors when they cut the word. Otherwise, you're going to have all kinds of different angles on the Bible verse, and you are going to have a lot of contentious Christians having a shared hermeneutic is smart. So I'm thinking we might be doing that. So if you're interested in potentially joining us for that Bible study in the northern suburbs of Atlanta, alpharetabiblechurch.org. It ain't a fancy website. Okay, we're not that far yet. We're just trying to see if there's enough people around here who would like to participate in an expository church in northern Atlanta. Hey, you mean to make that hurt even more? Why, could you? He said you learned it from Tom. Yeah. Tom learned it from me. He did not. (laughs) No, I was just (laughs) joking. Why was I so skeptical? I don't know. Well, initially it wasn't that you wouldn't have the ability to to spew something that intelligent, but it's like, (laughs) but then I, no, I just thought, well, when would you have had that conversation? But then you guys used to do that podcast uh-huh. together, so maybe you did, did you? I've taught Tom a lot over the years. <laughs> well, he has so much to learn. <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from, um, this one's from, who is this from? This is from Stephen. Uh, Don, uh, should we look for a church closer to home instead of commuting to a good church that's a little bit farther away and doesn't serve our local community? Yeah. Um, uh, I would need to know a lot of stuff. So let me just give a principle. I, w- I wouldn't say if it's this many miles because every city that's different. If you happen to be in a town where it's like, well, we always make that drive. It's 10 miles, but we're there in like six minutes because in Billings, Montana, we don't have a speed limit and we're just there. That's different than being in Atlanta where 10 miles, it's gonna, it'll take you easily, easily, 40 minutes, no less, period. Well, that starts to become problematic. So I wouldn't say this is the mile marker, but I would say if getting to your local church takes you an uncomfortable amount of time, and that's different with everybody, some people, no problem, doesn't bother us. Uh, Nevertheless, it's going to lose some spontaneity and your ability just to go to church, help out, deliver, pick up, spend time with so I, I I would be foolish to say this many miles or this many minutes because of the of the variables, but make sure that your local church is indeed local. And I would even go this far. Let's just say 30 miles away, it's a rocking church, man. It's just perfect. And then I got this one like a mile away and it's, well, it's okay. Go to the okay church because it's local. You need to be involved in the life of a church. In, in fact, I have to confess to you, that's one of the reasons that we're excited and hopeful that the Lord will allow us to start a church in the northern suburbs. We love our church. We lo- we've been going to the same church, I think, for 16 years. In a- love our church! Love the pastor, love the elder, love everybody, love everything. 
but it's not as local as it should be. And that means Wednesday nights, forget about it. It just, it's just, we'd, we'd, I'd have to leave on Saturday to get there in time for Wednesday night because it's that ridiculous here. And we want to be plugged in. We want to be, sorry for the cliche, doing life with other Christians, forming relationships. I'm telling you, I, I don't care what the blockbuster Netflix movie is. I'd rather go sit in a church just talking with other Christians than watch the coolest thing on Netflix any day. If, if, if you have never experienced how good it is to be with God's people, start plugging in. And, and, and might I say, I heard this from a buddy the other day. He said he made, this was really smart. Mike said, I made a decision a while ago to stop looking for all the problems. Just stop. Of course there's problems. My beloved church, it's got problem. What? Duh. Because they don't do everything the way I think it should be done. Therefore, nah, 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 there's not a good church. I've got to go find a good church. I'm done with this one. Stop looking for the bad. Start looking for the good. And you might just find yourself loving your local church more and more and more, and you will find the blessing in doing that. It is a part of God's feeding program for you. And if you're not there serving, Bible studying with other believers, helping when in need, being helped when you need it, uh, you're, 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 you're just missing out on, on one of the Lord's greatest blessings, and that is the local church. So please, Find yourself an actual local church. I didn't say a heretical one. I didn't say one that is just dreadful. No, didn't say one that has female pastors. Instead, find one that is orthodox, that is close enough for you to enjoy the benefits and being a blessing to a local church. And check out alphoretabiblechurch.org, alphoretabiblechurch.org. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today with a guy that doesn't just want to break glass ceilings. No, he wants to break the common sense barrier. Actually, that's already probably been broken. But anyway, this story truly stretches the boundaries of logic. A man, a fellow member of the human race, wishes to become the first trans woman to have an abortion. That's right. He wants to have a uterus transplant, be the first person to get pregnant, and then have an abortion. Because apparently being on the forefront of medical sciences means being able to end someone's life for no reason whatsoever. Now, moving on, we all know those people who are habitually late to everything they could ever go to. My wife being one of them. But have you ever heard of time blindness? Because that seems like a legitimate excuse. Actually, it's not, but it is one that is now being used. A young woman on TikTok is pioneering this whole new frontier because, well, we've got to avoid personal responsibility for anything. She claims that she can't help but be late because she's time blind. No, Miss Lady, you are reality blind. It's kind of creative, but still amounts to shrugging off personal responsibility. 
And another story from the world of education, this time one from the file of teachers know best, not parents. There's a push by some educators in Canada that would mandate kids attending Drag Queen Story Hour against their parents' wishes. Because, obviously, teachers know better than parents, you know, the people who gave life and care for their children every day. Yeah, well, apparently they're not equipped to decide what's best for them because they're not teachers. Ah, now we turn our attention to the world of healthcare, where the FDA has given the green line to the first birth control pill that you could obtain without a prescription. <laughs> Who needs doctors anymore? We've got politicians and bureaucrats making all the decisions for the world. Ah, what a time to be alive. Especially as we turn now to Uganda, where a man was recently murdered. Why? Well, simply for converting from Islam to Christianity. In a world where acceptance and tolerance are touted as paramount, it seems those principles aren't extended to Christians. Tragic, but it's the reality of the state of the world we now live in. Let's continue to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been our latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called our sanctuary. Through Christ, we find refuge from God's justice and find a safe haven where we can enter into the presence of the Holy God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What's the most important thing about doing a Christian talk show? Timing. Mm. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. Your timing, less than impeccable, handsome Jimmy Hicks. We were talking about the necessity of being in an actual local church, Mm. not driving 100 miles to get to one because the expository preaching, it's spot on. I love it so much. But that tip. By the way, if you're doing that, now I, there's so many variables, so just hang in there with me. I'm not I'm not trying to poke a finger in your eye. But if you're driving that far just for the preaching, it could be a sign that you are not aware of the important elements outside of the pulpit in the church. Now the pulpit is the most important, but what about the fellowship? Hmm. What what about the Sunday school learning, hanging together, serving together? Those those things are really important. Rebuking one another, encouraging, exhorting one another. You need those things. And if you're driving 100 miles just because of the pulpit, it might possibly could be an indicator that you could use a fuller appreciation for the local church. Now, Jimmy, Mm -hmm. after the microphones (laughs) were off. You started bringing up, because you've been having this conversation at your church. Well, no, I had a conversation with a friend of mine from back home um, recently uh, about this very thing. And um, he he wanted to know my opinion on him driving so far away from home because there's no local churches close to him. And, you know, I brought up just the same stuff that you just did in the previous segment. And and his comment was, well, I have relationships uh, with men around me in my local community. I have these relationships. I meet with these men all the time. But where are these relationships in your local church? You're not building them because it's so far away. So you're going for Sunday morning and that's it. Okay, two thoughts. Mm-hmm. Number one, all those godly men that he hangs out with locally, 
Where do they go to church? Where do they go to church? That was my question. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why not that church? Right. See that. That's why I know this. Let's let's make sure that we all understand. There's variables involved, but going to a less than great local church is actually better than going to a great not local church. Right. That's the point. Mm-hmm. So you need to. You need, with all of the variables, what's available, what's not, that's the mindset. And then I think, second of all, I would say, okay, I get that. You know, he's got he's got a church that's far away. He's going there faithfully on Sunday, probably the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And he is getting fellowship with local folks. I wouldn't say that that's a sin, but I don't think it's the ideal. And, and I get it. There's the universal church. We are all brothers and sisters together, and we enjoy that sweet fellowship whenever we find one another. But there's something about the fellow worshipers with whom you take communion. You witness the baptisms of their children. You, 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 you pray on May 1st for Matilda to not have pneumonia and, and to be back with us. And on May 8th, there's Matilda. Oh, you can't get that by just having Christian pals that you hang out with. It's it's just a different thing. Would I say, oh, you're an apostate because you just go to a far, far church but have local buddies? No, but I don't think it's ideal. Correct. I just don't I just don't think it's best. And and I know somebody might be thinking, hey, the local it's just a building. I get it. I understand that. And it's a local church, and there are other local churches, and we're all the universal church together. I get it. And I don't think that I can find a Bible verse that says, no, the imperative is having fellowship in the context of your local church. But I, I know this, that the letters, this is as close as I could get. The epistles that encourage all of the one another's are indeed written to local churches, not just a bunch of scattered Christians where Paul says, just, hey, get together, make sure you're hanging out somewhat regularly with one another. It's, it's, it's in the context of the local church. I don't think you could, this is debatable, I don't think you can do the one another's as well with people who aren't a member of your church as those who are. And part of this, I will grant you, is a little bit less than scientific, but there is indeed something about week after week they made it again, and so did I. They came through the blizzard. They're here. And seeing those faces and watching them grow in their walk, seeing their children, and you're going to say, well, I can get that with my local pals. Yeah, but I don't think you can get it as well as you can in the context of a local church. Disagree? Idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this question is from Sam. Jimmy, what's the most important thing about doing Timing. What, did I get it wrong again? <laughs> that hurts. Had my microphone on that time. All right, this is from Sam who says, Todd, how do we handle forgiveness uh, when the person who has sinned against us doesn't repent and uh, doesn't seek forgiveness? Yeah, that's, I think, I think there's, there, there's, there's a, a, a relationship aspect of repentance and forgiveness that, that is broken or at least damaged. If an individual has harmed you and refuses to repent, I believe that transactionally we forgive. Relationally, we can now start to put up some guards 
and some protectors. And I don't think you should feel terrible that somehow the relationship today isn't what it was yesterday because of that. It's really important that we don't just have the transaction of forgiving somebody. It, it's super important that that somebody repents and that we are able to grant that forgiveness. And so with that, mom and dad, just food for thought. If your teenager is feeling increasingly distant, could it be, I'm just asking, it's because you've sinned against your teenager and you haven't repented. It's It mars your relationship. Same thing with your spouse, friends, any relationship. So when we sin, we should be the repenters. We should be the ones who are really quick to say, I'm sorry, because it can damage a relationship. And I will add this also. In fact, this is some cleanup I need to do, Jimmy. Okay. I'm glad you reminded me about this. Your timing is off, but thanks for the reminder. <laughs> if you sinned against somebody and others witness the sin, I think that you need to try to address those people who witnessed it too. Doesn't mean that you have to say, I'm sorry that I sinned against Jimmy. But if Larry and Billy and Bobby saw me sinning against Jimmy, I should go to Larry, Billy, and Bobby and say, I, I sinned against my brother. And I, and I want you to know I've repented to Jimmy. And uh, we've, we've, we've resolved the issue. And relationally, we're set. But I, I just wanted you to know um, that I sinned against our brother in that way. I, I need to do that because I did that. Before the 4th of July. Oh, you did? I did, with somebody here. Oh. And even though I repented to him, there were others who saw it. I just, I don't think that I was speaking as lovingly as I as I should have. And it was <laughs> wrong. I don't remember you repenting to me. You weren't there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the time that I don't speak lovingly to you. That's different. That's different. <laughs> because there were, and, and, and I have yet, and I need to do this to say, hey, I just want you to know, um, I confess, I didn't speak as lovingly as I should. I just wanted you to know that and that our brother, he, he, he didn't deserve that kind of tone. We need to be the quicker, click, cleaner up, clean, cleaner, quick. What's the Downey or the yeah, Brawny? Brawny. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Downey, Brawny, whatever. What the quicker picker up, the quicker uh, repenter uppers. That's it. Yeah. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This one is from Johnny. Uh, he says, Todd, can we learn from self improvement books like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People without straying from the Bible? Yes. As long as you are laying down the line that they are drawing next to the straight line of scripture. Yeah, we can benefit from pagans. You know, you you can you can learn management techniques, but as you do, just ask yourself the question, why does it seem like that would work? Why does that sound like a good managerial idea? Why should so for instance, a managerial idea that you need to it's really good if you're a manager, mid-level, upper that you encourage each employee six times a day. All right. Okay. Okay. And they told a bunch of anecdotes and it improved productivity. I think that's good. I'm going to start doing that six times. I'm going to do it seven times a day because that's the number of perfection because you're a biblicist. Okay. Wait, stop. Maybe. Why, why is that a good idea? And is the number six or seven correct? Now I run to my Bible. And it tells me that I should be encouraging. 
I should be using my words to build up, not tear down. Ah, no wonder why that's a good idea. The Bible says we should be doing that. Now, as for the number six, I, I, I don't know that I would go that far. And I don't think that the Bible says this is how many times you need to encourage your child every single day, but you should be the encouraging person. And take every opportunity that you can to encourage and make it a habit in your life where it just comes out. You see somebody who does a good job, you can go, good job, Jim. (laughs) I tried. (laughs) That's all you can do. Keep working on that. Become an encourager because the Bible says so, not because a secular managerial textbook tells you to. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org Bible, wretched.org Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? It's okay to admit it because we've all been there and some of us are there now. Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for because it's the place where anxiety, loneliness, depression, and fear come face to face with the Bible. And don't expect Dr. Gifford to just read scripture. No, he wrestles with it and applies it to challenges we all face. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. But that's exactly what Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford is. It'll help you and it will empower you to help others too. You'll be throwing out biblical wisdom like you're in Solomon's Court. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Trust me, you'll be glad you listened. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. 
Psalm 115 verse 3 says that God does all that He pleases. God is sovereign over His whole creation. He has the right and the power to govern all things according to His will. Nothing occurs in your life that God, in His sovereignty, has not allowed. He is working all things for His glory and the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Call me. Do like father, like son, right there. This is Wretched Radio. I think that had to have been put through auto-tune. Because I got to tell you, the fruit didn't fall very far from the tone-deaf tree. I think I think that's what the worship leaders are doing these days. And oh. Jimmy, I'm telling you. Here, you want, would you like a little homework, Jimmy? Okay. I'm going to give you an assignment. Are you willing to accept this awesome responsibility? I guess you want the answer before I find out what the assignment <laughs> is. So, yes. That's a good parental tactic, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> Write a bit. Okay. I, I, think, I think my idea, just like there's auto-tune that improves the pitch of the worship leader, mm-hmm. that we have preacher tune. Oh, that when he speaks into the microphone, if he says something dopey, it gets corrected. It gets correct, yeah. I think there's a bit waiting. Okay. I'll, I'll look forward to next week to see if you've got it. You're putting a ridiculous time limit on me. In two weeks, I look forward to hearing the bit. <sighs> Six months, okay. There we go. Yeah, it's auto-tuned. wretched um can you speak more to anthropology as in how god created the body and why god has a high view of the body i am very interested you just answered it actually he has a high we have a high view of it because he created it and oh you're gonna love this he don't make no junk god god knits us together and this human body, by the way, just from a scientific standpoint, is amazing. The complexity of the human body is astounding. I don't know how any medical professional can be an agnostic or an atheist. I don't, I don't think they're paying attention. Whatever body part you study, how can you look at that and go, yeah, billions of years and a lot of luck. It was clearly designed and it is amazing. And that is why we should really have a high view of the body not only because it is incredible, but because God is the designer of that body. Furthermore, he has made us his image bearer. We's different than the animals. By the way, did you see this ridiculous story? It was about the, uh, there's a, a type of rhesus monkey or something like that, that 72% of the males have same-sex relationships because there's an evolutionary advantage and the boys that do that business together tend to be more protective of one another than those that don't. So what was the agenda of that particular study and article? Well, because you're just like a monkey and it's good for monkeys and it's good for people. So quit being a homophobe. It was garbage junk science with an agenda that tries to use the natural world to say, see the the behavior in the natural world? Therefore, it's natural. Therefore, you can't say that activity is non-natural. Nonsense. It doesn't matter what monkeys do. It matters what God says. Besides, we're better than monkeys. 
I, all I need to do is move my opposable thumb. Case is closed. We're image bears. Furthermore, we have big asterisk emotions that God has uniquely. I got to tell you, most zebras aren't concerned with justice, righteousness, holiness. I take that back. None of them are. But we are. Why? Because we're image bearers. And don't forget, this. some people have gone off the rails. Think of the, the docetists who, uh, that, that, that it, it just seems like Jesus had a body. It, it appears that he had a body, but he didn't really. Because they couldn't imagine God having a body because the body, ooh, wrong. The body is important. God is spirit, and he's made us physical in his spiritual image. And that means we have characteristics, attributes in a limited regard that God has, that animals don't. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we should consider these bodies as precious things, even if it isn't our body, which means the homeless guy who's shooting heroin between his toes every Tuesday because he's provided a clean needle from the government who provides such services to the underserved. Oh, Jimmy, yes. I heard I heard a word. Oh, Mrs. Friel told me this. It is another way of, uh, you can't call homeless people homeless. Okay. I guess somehow that became bad. That they are housing, they're Re housing. Re residentially challenged? Something like that. <laughs> and I thought, wow, I like that. That they're that they're residentially challenged. You know, Jimmy, I'm Maserati challenged. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am too. <laughs> yeah. What a bunch of nonsense. So this individual who looks like, well, he's just getting what he deserves. No, a high anthropology says that bundle curled up in a ball sitting on a cardboard box in the middle of a sidewalk in downtown Philadelphia. It's precious. And it's only Christians, by the way, that have that high degree of appreciation for human beings made in the image of God. Anthropology affects a lot. We've been, we've been talking about this now kind of somewhat regularly here. I, I think I mentioned it in Boston when I saw the zip delivery for pot. Because, well, you guess, somebody's got to be able to have their pot. Why, did, why would you want to make a living selling something that hurts somebody? The only way you can overcome that is by saying, no, no, they like it, so it's good for them. Because you couldn't possibly have a view that's better than their opinion. We say, no, 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 that drug addict, that pot smoker, precious. We're not going to facilitate damage. We're going to build up to do good. I have, I got to tell you, we really need to take a, it was, it was in the sex trafficking article that I read in the Christian Post because of the, the Jim Caviezel movie about sex trafficking, that it's foster care kids that typically that have a higher exposure or a higher propensity to be get, in, get involved in the sex trade. Okay, I know there's good Christians in the foster care program, but there's a lot who aren't non-Christians. We need to do better for them because they're precious. You say, well, these people, they don't vote right. Yeah, they're precious. Oh, their morality. You know what? If that guy mutilated himself because he thought he was a girl, well, then he's just reaping and sowing. Well, he is. 
but he's precious. And we love those people. And we try to do better for those people. Furthermore, a correct anthropology propels us to speak up and speak out. People, bad policies, bad worldviews, they hurt people. And that's bad because they're image bearers. They, whether they do a good job of it or not, they still, in a dim way, reflect the, the attributes of God. Be, that's, it's intrinsic. They can't not because they're human beings. And we, we need to look at those people and be willing to say, I am going to summon up the courage to say something that could get me shellacked because those people are precious. This is why we have abortion. It's a low anthropology. That we let people live destructive lives. That we're now saying that, you know, you're eating, it doesn't make any difference, you be you. Well, no, it does make a difference. And I'm not going to become a food Nazi, but, you know, there's, there's good eating habits and there's bad ones. We kind of, somehow we concluded that about smoking, where our culture decided smoking is the worst thing in the world. Pot smoking is wonderful. Cigarettes are terrible. I guess I don't really expect the world to be all that consistent. One eight seven seven two eight two. Mr. 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 Friel, mm-hmm. I have a conundrum. I remember several weeks back you stated your position on addressing those who are involved with transgenderism, and you had talked about uh, addressing them by the name that corresponds with their, their natural-born gender. My question is this. What if you don't know that name? What if you don't know the name on their birth certificate or the name that corresponds with their natural born gender? What do you do in that scenario? How do you speak the truth in love to them, not play into their delusion, but also don't know what their real name is? I I got you. Here it comes. This is a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is also a Rob Schneider bit. This is the second Rob Schneider bit I've alluded to this week. One was his Edward G. Robinson. Where's your Moses now, see? That was Dathan right there. Another Rob Schneider bit from years ago was his riff on the word dude. Has a wide semantic range. It, it can mean way to go. Dude. It can mean haven't seen you in a long time. Dude, it means I'm disappointed. Dude, it can mean there's somebody behind you wearing a hockey mask with a machete. Dude, so just call the person dude is what I'm saying. Dude, or find find some cultural term that isn't gender specific. There is, by the way, there's a difference between name and pronouns. I, I I'm, I, I think I know which side I fall on on the issue. Pronouns, I just don't think that we can do that. Names, some people would make the argument that they are culturally determined that Claire could be a boy's name and it's just society. Well, as long as society is determined that's typically a female name, I'm going to have a hard time applying it to a male. <sighs> Not easy times. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs> <laughs>